0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Quarters, security condition three. GQ, security three, sir. General Quarters three, intruder alert. GQ three, intruder alert. Well, my wonderful doorman says intruder alert, but I know he's been definitely looking forward to this show as much as I have tonight. Now, welcome, of course, once again. You know where you are. You're in the genie's bottle known as Madame Perry salon. I I am your hostess and cruise director, uh, occasional den mother, Madam Perry, or you can call me Jennifer Perry. And I am so thrilled to have you here. And uh, I took a few days off this week. I had, I went to Los Angeles. A client of mine, Jennifer Irwin, an author, uh, we had her book launch party at a place called Kelly Eye Designs in Redondo Beach, and uh, the owner, Kelly. Um, She's an interior decorator But she sells all kind of art and clothing And wonderful things in her shop So she hosted it in her shop And um, the book Jennifer Irwin's book is called Address the Color of the Sky And it deals with a woman who's going into rehab For sex addiction The film rights have already been purchased Even before she uh, Signed a publishing contract So that was pretty exciting We've got the uh, publisher I mean the, uh, the Excuse me The Producer and at Stevens, I got to meet her last night as well, or the night before last while I was in Los Angeles as well. And um, I don't know, they're not letting me say a whole lot, but I do know that on the website they have mentioned Bradley Cooper for the lead in this film, and I don't know who all else, but it should be very good. So, "Address the Color of the Sky" by Jennifer Irwin. She had a fantastic night. I think she sold about 200 books. It was amazing. Also, it's Glass Spider Publishing. It's a publisher, and if you're looking to submit to a publisher, I think they're a small press, at least they are now. They will be big very soon because this book is taking off like mad. Uh, Glass Spider Publishing is definitely a class act among publishers so check them out too recently going over some shows recently we had tony green on tony green is a psychic medium and she's got several books and has a oh, she's got a tv show uh, radio shows tony green i i had to even check back into the studio and find out that tony's uh show has gotten a lot of downloads i think i've had um uh 5700 people have downloaded that show since she was on last i believe it was tuesday or wednesday that's pretty exciting and then coming up soon um i'm going to have a guy pat duggins who's covered all of the NASA missions for years um for npr he's going to be on a couple of weeks and everything is just coming up i'm getting more and more fun guests better publish uh, excuse me publish publish publishings on my mind um sponsors and it's all because of you because you listen to my show you subscribe you share it with your friends you download it uh, whether you listen to it on blog talk radio player fm stitcher apple itunes blueberry whatever your choice to listen to podcasts the point is that you do and you subscribe and i am so grateful to you i really appreciate you and that makes uh, me able to get more exciting people coming on so and tonight you know what you know what i'm going to say now i'm going to say tonight is definitely no exception um this is a guest i've wanted to have on for quite a long time and uh a lot of people have been anticipating this as, as much as i have so what can i tell you about him well let's see he is a writer educator activist he's a native new yorker uh He's he's written uh, well. He's a poet and author. His poems and essays have been published in a variety of books and journals. His book he's got a book that's very popular called um, that he wrote with his partner Joseph. And I'm not even going to say his last name until my guest comes in here, uh, who wrote and edited the book with him. It's called Our Naked Lives. Essays from Gay Italian-American Men. It's a collection of 15 personal essays from 15 men about being gay and Italian-American. And just so you know, he has an essay in this book, but just so you know, if you look back through history, and and history that's not not too far in the distance back there, um, Italian-Americans had just as much difficulty, just as much prejudice, and just as much mistreatment as uh, any other group, in in um, in America. And uh, a lot of people don't know that I had a guest on the show once, he's been on a few times, Ray D'Africo, and when he first spelled his name for me, he said, well, my grandparents had to uh, take the apostrophe after the D apostrophe, A-F-R-I-C-O, because they wanted it to sound or look less Italian uh, because of... uh, the prejudice that they were dealing with at the time so there's a lot of things if you look back a little bit in history a lot of things we're not aware of but anyway, as i was saying um his essays have have appeared in white crane stranger to these shores and various anthologies articles and gay city news and the huffington post he was awarded the editor's poetry prize for his work in gay city volume two he writes on personal political and social topics and issues, including marginalized peoples and literatures, especially, as I said, Italian-Americans and people of the gay, lesbian, and bisexual, and transgender, and queer, the GLBTQ community. or uh, So you know I have a strong interest here in fact my husband's always saying I love my wife she wants to she wants to champion every group she wants to champion the GLBTQ group he goes he's always so proud of me Um, so why don't I just go ahead and say I am thrilled to have here in madam Perry's salon and let me get his microphone turned on wait he seems to have disappeared (laughs) I'm I'm here. Back in. <laughs> oh you are here. Can I can't see you. I, uh, my guest. <laughs> Michael Carasone. Michael, how are you doing?
0: I'm fine, thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm okay. very honored and flattered.
1: I I am delighted to be here. You know, I first found I first found you on Instagram. And uh, we share a mutual friend, Colin Kelly, my dear friend Colin. Yes. And uh, I first you I was just very intrigued by your post in Instagram and uh, okay here's a like-minded individual who has a lot to say and who says it well intelligently uh, with confidence and power and I I just had to start following you and get to know you better so, once again, another uh, another benefit of social media is finding people that you might not have ever had the chance to know, with whom you can uh, identify a similar spirit or feeling. Absolutely,
0: it's uh, a or, it's, it's, social media is great, it really is. But the other side of it is. You'd never really meet Some of these people either In real life I hope to meet you In real life one day
1: (laughs) Oh I hope so too And I get the feeling I get the feeling we will You know like I said When I was um, When I was on the west coast This week uh, For a client event I mean I've known this woman For a while Met her through twitter And this And then she hired me To uh, Your book publisher. But yet we had not met she'd been on the On the uh, the podcast on Madame Perry Solana a year ago, but this is the first time we had actually met in real life, and also a lot of her friends, so yeah, you never know, but it makes the world a lot smaller place, doesn't it? And uh, it's it, to me, it certainly has broadened my life to meet so many more people. There's always a downside to it, like everything. You know, you can abuse anything. Uh, God knows I've, I've abused. I've been way too liberal with my use, making it an abuse of Chocolate chip cookie dough ice cream, but you know, it's, it's, it's how it's how you it's just it's how you approach things, you know. <laughs>
0: Absolutely, that's funny. Absolutely, better to abuse yeah, chocolate well, you know, chip cookies I, than
1: look. I, I've got to, to, you know, admit my faults before I can point at anybody else, right? So, yeah. Was that last? That's what I was telling somebody recently. Uh, I think it was the the horror writer in, in London, Jasper Bart. And I said, you know, sometimes I get to where I hate to... Um, read the news in the morning but sometimes during the night if I'm up if the dogs wake me up to go out I'll think oh don't go look at the don't go look at the news feed on, on my iPad and I think oh why not because you know if if, if, um, if 45 has goaded uh, Kim North Korea into into bombing us why not get up and have two extra containers of chocolate chip cookie dough ice cream. You know, haagen dogs can, can put all the calories they want there. That's not going to matter. We're all going to fry, you know? So.
0: I, <laughs> <laughs> so your last supper is Haagen-Dazs and chocolate chip cookies. Good for you.
1: Probably, yeah. I started doing a, a, a cross uh, a CrossFit type exercise a couple of years ago, and you know they have these big things like the mud run and all these kind of power things people go through, and they say, you know, that's a strict diet. And I'm, well, you know this, good God, I've seen pictures. You know, I've seen the photos of you. You know, you're. You're just temptation. Yeah. I mean, you're just. A, I don't eat
0: chocolate yeah. chip cookies. <laughs> I haven't had a cookie in years. <laughs> uh. Oh, I'm talking
1: about the ice cream with chocolate chip cookie dough in it. I'm talking about the ice I cream. I haven't had ice cream know. in years. Yeah, I,
0: I, I haven't well, had thank ice you. cream in years. <laughs> well,
1: well, thank you. I feel even worse about my
0: my, um, <laughs> no. my lack no, of self right now. But. Eat all the I, ice I, cream I, you I, want. I gotta start eating oh, no. ice cream too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: well, <come laughs> Especially on, the world, you, com- it's, it's, the world yeah, is, is coming. The world is coming right? to an end, right? I might as well go out like that, you know. I've done well. Like I said, when I when I started with the CrossFit training and the, they have these big those big runs and things that people do like some kind of obstacle course and they say, At the end, you know, because you're always on this diet, so you have like the one cheat day a week and they say <laughs> and at the end, your friends will be there at the end to hand you a nice cold beer. Just I don't drink beer, just hand me some ice cream, just <laughs> I want my I want my husband to be there waiting with my ice cream. Yeah, Maybe
0: you made it. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather ice cream than beer too, but um well once I know Sorry. the 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 end of the world, like our last day, then I'll I'll start eating ice cream because who cares about having ab muscles, right? So <laughs>
1: I don't think you have any problem, Michael. I think you could eat it all week long. <laughs> no yeah, yeah, you're
0: just—I <laughs> <laughs> don't have a problem now. But if I start, you eating, know, I could eat. I would love to eat ice cream every night. <laughs> uh, anyway, you
1: know, well, so would I. But I have to hold. I have to hold back. Hold back. Um, Got to be. Got to be self-disciplined. And uh, yeah, I'm actually. I, I, need be, I need to be careful. I was gonna say I need to be careful because I don't want you then to go on um, saying you know Jennifer Perry. I was on Madame Perry's salon and she just she really took too many liberties how she talked. You know I don't need any kind of a. Uh, no, I I'm
0: actually kind of vegan, so I can't I I can't eat cow's milk dairy ice cream. But I used to love oh. like uh, the uh, the tofu ice cream, which sometimes mm-hmm. has even more sugar than. Um, cherry ice cream, and uh, but I haven't had that in years because sugar is very bad. <laughs> sugar is very <laughs> bad <laughs> for me, anyway. I,
1: I know yeah. I fight that fight against that white powder that pulls white crystals every day. I really do. <laughs> so
0: white powder is bad gonna... in all its forms. <laughs>
1: So now that we're in here, warmed up. First of all, I want to say your partner, Joseph. Would you pronounce his last name for me? Lo Lojudice. Okay. Thank you. I I just and and Joseph, I apologize. I just didn't (laughs) want to to mispronounce it. I figure it's probably enough in in my accent anyway for you to understand it. But (laughs) Lojudice. Thank you, Joseph. Uh, So tell me now. Right now, you're you're a teacher or a professor right now. You're a doctor. Uh, the information I have, you're a doctoral fellow and PhD program in English at St. John's University in Queens, New York City.
0: Yes. Um, and? I'm, I uh, actually recently finished my coursework and passed my exam, so I'm actually ABD or all but dissertation. Anyway, I'm still a PhD student, yeah, but I i um uh, i mean i I completed a milestone, and I'm just um, starting the dissertation, which I want to rush through and finish quickly, and I want to just get out and um, but I'm not a, a full-time professor, I just um, part-time adjunct uh, professor.
1: Are you a tough professor? Um
0: I was in the past I used to well I, yeah um so it depends on on I I think it m- more depends on the class I'm teaching so I tend to be um more tough when I teach composition and writing because uh, uh it's it's so important that uh that they develop those skills and they're usually freshmen. Mm-hmm. But um, I taught writing a long, long time, and I'm happy not to. <laughs> I, this might sound horrible to some people, but I'm happy not to be teaching it right now. Um, if anyone who teaches writing knows that you, you need a break. <laughs> it's exhausting. But um, I'm actually teaching a graduate-level education Course to um, full-time teach like uh, middle school and high school teachers who are uh, <gasps> earning a master's degree. So um, I don't really have to be as tough or sh- strict with them. You know, they're adults, professionals, they're teachers themselves. Um, mm-hmm. It's uh, a course on diversity. So I've Yeah, I I haven't taught writing in a few semesters, and I've been teaching education, which is a nice change.
1: It sounds like like, like you enjoy it.
0: I do enjoy it. Um, I taught high school English for eight years from... Uh, 97 to 2000 or 98 to 2006 something like that and then um I had a, a, another full time office job and but I've been teaching uh, part time at the college level since 1999 uh, on and off um, sometimes it was extra income sometimes it was my only income like now and um I enjoy teaching, but mm-hmm. it's extremely exhausting. <laughs> I don't, <laughs> I don't know how else, how else to describe it. It's, it's not, it's a, a totally different animal. It's, you know, it's, it's not a desk job. Um, mm-hmm. It's exhausting. It's, it's a lot of work, and um, it's, it's a lot of work outside of the classroom. Um, Oh yeah, but. Mhm. No, I'm here. I'm listening.
1: Okay. No. Okay. I thought I thought you were going into into another, uh, no. another talk. <laughs> well, I like what happens.
0: Goes. Yeah. Go ahead.
1: No, please keep going. I
0: like, I like what happens inside the classroom. I I enjoy. Um, Thinking and discussing, and um, I, I think the classroom it can be a very artificial place because, you know, in real life, um, 25 adults don't get together and and theorize. Um, although mm-hmm. that would that would be great if that really happened in real life. Maybe the world would be a better place. But um, I, I kind of like that um, time stops in a way in a classroom and you come together and you talk about ideas. So that's what I, I've always oh. loved about teaching. Um, but as, especially being a, a part time faculty is um, difficult because it's a, a lot of work um, and I'm only paid. For classroom hours, so everything I do outside of the classroom, I'm not paid for. So um, oh, yeah. the whole university system really exploits us, and the pay is very low. Um, sometimes mm. I do the math, and it's like I'm making ten dollars an hour. Um, <laughs> and I could work. I could work, in I can go back and work in retail and make fifteen. Um, but <laughs> you know. No one is coming oh, into yeah. a a store to discuss ideas, you know, so um mm-hmm. but American higher education is, you know, it's really problematic because it's it's become a, a big business and it's mm-hmm.
1: it's exploiting
0: its workers just like other corporations. Um so that's it's just it's it's Um, It's sometimes difficult just to think that um, you're uh, a college instructor or even if it's a part-time professor and um, you're supposed to be respected, but you're really disrespected, you know. And American society is anti-intellectual anyway, so it's, it's constant disrespect.
1: I would think or I would hope that it would be different. Now, I went to college, got my degree much, much later. I mean, I the other students in class, I think I was older than their parents when I went. And <laughs> That's great, I remember stuff. being just, yeah, I was so thrilled to be there, Michael, and just so thrilled to finally get in and, and get going with this. And um, I remembered some of the students would come in and say and their first you know their first well they wouldn't go first day the second day they would say things like do we have to buy the book do we have to come to class (laughs) do we have to this do we have to that (laughs) and I remember just being astounded
0: (laughs) (laughs) they still ask those questions the freshmen still ask those questions it hasn't changed um um I'm very happy not to uh, i'm not this semester i'm I'm not teaching undergraduates, especially freshmen, so I'm very happy um because I need that change every now and then of like you know having more mature older professional students you know it's it's, mm-hmm. it's nice it's nice to just yeah be in a room with um some adults and just uh talk like just like i, I said just talk about ideas in a, a mature mature way um that's mm. I, I mean that's really what you know that's what university is supposed to be about um yeah kind of changed but so Thank you for letting me vent. This is a wonderful therapy session.
1: Oh, good. We, well,
0: you know, as you
1: know, and most people listen to this, you know, people will say, you know, usually when you when you get an interview, and I'm sure this happens to you too, you know, they'll the produce, or somebody will say, okay, well, is your publicist going to send talking points or questions, you know, for things? And I used to do, because I, I remember when I worked for um, years ago, when I when I did get out of college with my journalism public relations uh degree i did some work for uh, hbo documentaries and one thing i did w- for the premieres one thing i did was to set up the, the media tours like this uh with you know radio or podcast with people and I'd, I'd give the talking points to the person being interviewed and to the interviewer and i would have to stay on the phone and listen to both sides but mute myself out but listen to both sides to make sure everybody stayed on message. And now sometimes I'll get I'll get guests who'll have talking points or they're manager or whatever sends talking points. And then sometimes, you know, it's kind of like goes with the thing because they want to present certain things, and I understand that. And then there'll be some that will give me talking points, and I'll ask a question, they'll go, God, that's a weird question. I don't know why you'd ask me that. What <laughs> <on> <laughs> You know, or, or somebody give me a list of dates for they're playing that year, and I see you're going to be in Atlanta playing at this. So we hadn't... Um, we hadn't announced that yet. You know, well, you should have put it on the paper. You know? But then again, so that's why sometimes when people say, oh, no, don't do it, just kind of go, you know, like you, just, just go organic, whatever happens. I'm thinking, okay, this is going to go very well or not well at all. So <laughs> fortunately for you, it's going very well. And speaking well. of such, if, uh, if, you, if you're listening live tonight, I want you to know, yes, I am talking to... Author, educator, and activist Michael Carasone. Am I pronouncing that correctly?
0: Yes, that's fine. <laughs> you pronounce it. That's not. It's
1: not. Yet. No, you <laughs>
0: pronounce it very correctly. No, it's great. I mean, that's how I pronounce it. I'm, I'm not used to people pronouncing my name correctly. <laughs> I'm used to being oh, called okay. so many other things. <laughs> so no, that's that's great. I didn't expect well, you to pronounce it with the Ita- Italian accent, and, and I mean neither
1: July. So. Well, I've got some Sicilian in my background, you know. So, okay, you know. cool. That's great. <laughs> Every vowel matters. Yeah. yeah. So, um <laughs> Anyway, this. Uh, <laughs> so, if you're listening live tonight, you can call in and talk to Michael. Uh, the number is 646-716-9922. That's six four six. 716-9922 and blog talk radio assures me that's a toll free number within the continental US so we'll be here to talk to you so feel free to call so let me ask you then let's go to now that, now that we've got you warmed up let's what are we going to talk about first we're going to talk about books, your writing um, let's talk about our naked lives essays from gay Italian American men now, that's a collection of 15 essays, 15 men about being gay and Italian-American. You have one essay in the book, right? Yes. Uh, but you and your partner, uh, Joseph play please, one more time? Logidice. Logidice. Thank you. Um Yes. So let's talk about that How did you get the idea Who came up with the idea For putting this this book together These essays And uh, your theme And how did you choose The people whose uh, work was included
0: Um, It was my idea Many years ago Um, uh, I was writing my thesis my master's degree in English and um, after after choosing uh, quite a few topics that were unsuccessful, I went to my advisor and I asked her if I could write about italian American literature and I didn't wanna ask her that at first because um I didn't think she would say yes. I didn't think the department would think it, it it was worthy because I know that uh in the scholarly world of literature it's it's not seen as worthy. So she was also Italian American. But I still didn't want to ask her that, and I had, I had, so many other ideas for a thesis that I knew would be accepted because they were um, either well-respected authors, or they were, you know, works of literature in the canon, or or they were um, uh, seen as as something worthy. But uh, I was. I finished my coursework really quickly. And Mm -hmm. then I was struggling for about a year. I didn't know what to write my thesis on. And the more I waited and failed at it, then more time would pass and I I wouldn't get my degree. So um, I went to her and I said, um, I... uh, Finally, I, I don't remember the exact, but finally she said, um, okay, so uh, that didn't work out, and that didn't work out. She said, but what do you really want to write about? So I said, I really want to write about uh, why Italian-American literature is disrespected and marginalized. And she said, mm-hmm. great, I want to read that. Go do it. So um, I went to do it, and I... I uh, Took a long time I left the program I went into another master's degree program Got another master's degree Then came back to the program Blah, blah, blah So anyway um, I spent a long time researching and writing I wrote a really long thesis And um, while I was researching I accidentally uh, found Only two collections Of of um, two books Um that were collections of various types of writing um, by and about uh, LGBT Italian Americans. And there were only two, and then many years later when I published my book, my book is only the third. There are only three books, um, not three books that are about us or by us, but Mm -hmm. three collections that... um, have uh, multiple voices recorded so um, after I uh, my thesis was approved and I graduated and I got my degree um, Joseph and I were talking and we started uh, brainstorming ideas about this book and that was in 2007 and um, We wrote uh, an entire uh, nonfiction book proposal, and um, we sent it to many—not all, but many or most of the uh, gay publishing companies—and we were either ignored, they never replied, or they rejected it, and. That alone is another essay For me to write one day So the gay publishers Yeah yeah, the gay publishers rejected us Which I Wasn't surprised And I knew why they rejected us And um, It wasn't until 2013 That A small independent Scholarly press um, That only focuses on Italian American content Published our book so it took the Italian American publisher to publish a book about being gay and Italian American, and that surprised me because um, not the, the the press didn't surprise me because it's not uh, any sort of um, conservative press. But what surprised me was that the uh, Italian American community that tends to be or was I mean, it's it's evolved, but that tends to be conservative really, um uh sort of uh uh really welcomed our book into the world and was excited about it. And the um gay male community was not as excited. Um so th- that's a, a Definitely a fascinating study that I would like to publish one day. But I think I know the answer.
1: Really, because I'm just going to say the you know, I mean, I have a, a, a deep understanding of literature in both groups and publishers there. But but the armchair sociologist in me, you know, will, will definitely want to know more. Don't know no, no, why, you know, of this, of right, the right, why absolutely, of this. absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Um I think it's because um, I would say it's because uh, Italian American gay men are are just automatically because we can pass as white, so we're just. Uh, dumped into the white ga- gay male category and then um we can easily uh, uh be uh ignored and um only in that gay male world um you know there are, if you're not a white gay man then you fall into very few other groups, and um, but uh, I I know from my own experience and from ex- others' experiences. Um, I mean, the the gay m- male world is still uh, I I would say um, very much dominated or controlled by that that Anglo. Um, identity and um, Italian or Italian American gay men are very much uh, objectified, um, just seen as uh, sexual objects, and n- n- there's no reason for them to, you know, say or produce anything intelligent.
1: Hm so and I don't see this you know, and even though you know I'm a straight white female, you know my husband and I are very involved in a lot of um uh, gay communities activities and and support groups, and you you know I was very unaware of that
0: yeah well well, yeah, I mean um you. I guess it's it's very normal for you to be unaware of that because,
1: mm-hmm. right,
0: because yeah. your, your identity is so um, gay men don't come up to you and um, uh, say certain things to you that they would say to me or that they say to me with, uh, without uh-huh. any sort of hesitation, right? So, um, you know, gay men aren't coming up to you and um, treating you as a, a some sort of erotic
1: toy, you know. That's all. Ah, mm, uh, right, right. So that's that's a um, got to be a very I, I, I don't know. Help me with the word here. I would say disrespectful or or debasing type of feeling or attitude.
0: Absolutely. Well, it is, and um, you know, it's it's um it's sort of i don't really know how to talk about it or don't want to talk about it a lot because i don't uh, i don't want people to think of it as like um being um what's a a good way of uh, what's a, i don't want people to think i'm being um arrogant or cocky or vain and that i'm saying that you know i'm this um I um, this sexy thing that uh, uh uh um and like it's so difficult to be uh you know sexy Because i I read these articles and um where uh gay men talk about you know the problems with um Let's just say, like being seen as a a sex object or 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 good looking, and then I read comments um if they're like posted on facebook and and other gay men are like so cruel and and they're like they they they, they say things like, Oh, it must be really tough to be good looking and they miss the mm-hmm. point and and you know yes. my point is um it's not about looks it's 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 um also for me and i i just had this conversation with uh, a professor actually this this week um tuesday for me i'm i happen to also be um living and working in um academia an academic world that um uh, you know um that doesn't take well to um good looking people if you want to put it like that so my point mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. um i am constantly um by um by uh colleagues or or uh, students or peers by my 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 own professors i'm uh, you know i'm 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 also a student but i am Always being insulted or sexualized or objectified, I deal with microaggressions constantly every day that I'm in academia because um, they don't they don't see me as uh, an intelligent person um, or if I say something intelligent, they're surprised because. Um, There's no reason for me to be intelligent. Or um, I've had um, fellow female students or female professors say things to me like, um, uh, you know, you look great. Did you just come from the gym? Oh, yes, you know, um, you look buff and sweaty. Or I remember I was... um, a student at Teachers College years ago, and the classroom was hot, and I said, wow, it's hot in here. And one of the other students, and we were adults, you know, we were um, graduate students, she said, well, I wouldn't mind if you take off your shirt. And, um, you know, I laugh, and it's a joke, um, but Mm I I think to myself, can you imagine if I said that to her? Like, you know, hey, you're hot, take off your shirt. Um, Mm -hmm. But so... My point is that um uh white uh gay men, but not only white gay men, but uh Asian, uh Latino, black, um all varieties of gay men um re- constantly reduce me to um something um only sexual or I still get the whole exotic thing or um Questions like "Are you Italian where it counts?" or you know, um, mm. "Let me see your sausage" and stuff like that. You know, all of those um, those I don't even know what you would call them, but um, the stereotypes. I mean, I, I stopped going to gay bars years ago because it just—it's like you know, talking about sexual harassment. It's like how much um, how much groping can you really take anymore? So. Um, I'm not surprised that um, gay men uh, wouldn't care about my book or my work because I'm I'm not supposed to be anything more than their sex toy.
1: You used a lot of interesting um, terms in here. I wrote down, taking notes, microaggression, which... um, that's this new term for me, but I can see that, and I can see what you're saying in so many ways. You know, when people talk about uh, the, the the current scandal, the Weinstein, Harvey Weinstein, and everything coming back out with that about the, you know, the casting couch, and, and this is all all the stories about the, um, just the just a heinous bad behavior and brutality of of that that type of world where people can get away with it and somebody says you know well why haven't women spoken up well you know it's one of those things where if you if you haven't been there you really don't get it right you know like you're telling me this. these are things I would not know because I'm not you know a member of of that culture of, of Italian American gay men, and um, you know, I know that my, um, like my best friend is is a black woman, and sometimes when people say things that maybe some a, a black person doesn't take something well or misinterpret something or is easily offended, and I go, but well, you know, you don't know what they've seen, or what they've heard, what they've been through, and what kind of signals they see that we don't grasp. You know, I was the kid that grew up, you know, with the, the saying, you know, oh, you're ugly and your mother dresses you funny. Well, I right. had the frizzy red hair and glasses and flat, and my mother dressed me in things way too big because she was, I don't know, terrified that, I don't know, I don't know what they thought I was going to do. You know, they thought that was going <laughs> to keep me out of trouble. You know what trouble meant in those days? Right, right. And, um, mm-hmm. All this stuff. So I was always it's like it's it's like I was to kid every single day was just a gauntlet of insults for me, you know. Like, hey girl, uh, you've been bobbing for French fries, you know, because I had acne. Hey girl, you need to go to Joe's Amico; they fix flats. It's like every single day it was like the, like the kid in the movie Mask, and I purely hated every single day of school. I hated every day because it was on and on and on. Then later. You know, I go on. um, few years later, you know, I learn how to take care of my frizzy hair, and I get rid of braces, you know, when I have contacts. And then all these people are coming out, well, hey, hey, how you doing? You know, you're looking good. You want to go out? Hell no, I don't want to go out with you. You treated me like crap. what am I supposed to kind of <laughs> exactly. prize now? You know? And, you know? No, of course not. And I remember I did not go to class reunions until about my I think the fifteenth one and I was married to my husband, so we went and um, I had told them some of the horror stories, you know, about being made to stand up on a bus and have stuff thrown at me and he said, Who did that? I so said these people and they didn't recognize me and so guys would try to flirt and I go you know, you've always been an ass to me. No, I haven't. You've never, I don't even know who you are. You know, you've never met me. And I thought, I thought oh, gosh, the tricks I could play, you know. So for one guy did apologize to me in a roundabout way, but I think it's because the movie Flatliners had just came out. So he probably <laughs> had nightmares from that, you know. But then. Stand- then <laughs> I and and and, and I and I hope you did, but and then I was trying to tell that people would be there was always some little thing you could do, you know, you try to look nice and go to work. Oh, well, you think because you look good. now. I've spent all these years of being made fun of because I was you know, flat at glasses and frizzy hair, you know, and crooked teeth, and now it's like, oh, you think you're something because you know you look good or you wear this kind of right. dress or whatever, right. you know, you fit into a size six and all this stuff and I'm thinking okay where did everything go did what What? And, and then it would get even smaller into um, well you know southerners are stupid because there were a lot of people from the midwest who were uh, working at this company and who were in management it was a company that came from the east coast PACTEL, a cellular company moved to Atlanta so we were working there and to them everybody that had a southern accent was an idiot of course of course, right. And so we're you all had to deal with all and we were all idiots. Right. Yeah. So you so had to deal with those always, stereotypes too. Yeah, so there's always gonna be something. You know, there's always gonna be somebody that's gonna find something about another group. You know, right. like when I went to cosmetology school, I was working in a salon in a tony part sophisticated part or whatever, money part of Atlanta in the morning and they go, Oh, she lives out in Quinnette County, the boonies, she's you know Redneck. Right, right. Then I'd leave them there and go to school out in Gwinnett County, <laughs> and they go, oh, you're a city gal, ain't you? Well, we don't like city <laughs> gals around here. And I thought, this is, how, is this what, like an admiration child, you know? I mean, I know that's, how, that's a very, you know, it's it's not like an admiration child, but you feel like you're like, I'm going from culture to culture every day. Right, Each right. Oh, we don't like you know you're a hick, and then you're a city gal. It's like, what the heck the people you know, or you could or I could put on a pair, or, or or at this job though, even though I was an ignorant southerner to them, I could put on a pair of reading glasses, which would you know even though I wore contacts, I put on some readers, oh, I didn't know you wore glasses, you know like a, what so that gives me what a couple of i q points it's like, <laughs> you know, and it's just. Amazing how people will come up with things, how they're going to see everybody in this little microcosm of how they can put them down. And even one person, it doesn't matter where you, you like I went from one place to another place to another place, you know, to where I lived, where I worked in school, and everyone had a different prejudice against me. And I thought, my God, that's what I go through, you know, and, Okay, so here I am, you know, white, straight, and here. Think about people who are in smaller groups than mine, or more minority groups than I'm in. You know, they must really, if, if this is what I'm going through, I can't imagine what they go through. And it's just like you're saying, you know, Italian-American gay men, you know, I would have had no idea about being that. And, yes, all the, little, my, all the little things, too, the little comments that people say, I remember people would say, you know, There's always somebody ready to make a comment to a woman. Like, I know my girlfriend Kenya and I, we met at this one job we had about 20 years ago. And we would both be hit on by guys. And if we said anything to a manager, you know, the woman's the problem. She brought it on herself. Right, right, right. I don't know. Because Kenya and I both have, um, well, we're not flat-chested. Well, look, it's not like we did it on purpose, you know. It's not like. <laughs> the, <laughs> that's,
0: that's your anatomy. That's just the way it is. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Exactly. There ain't much I can do about this, you know, without something right. going to taking everything apart. You know, And why should I? Why should I have to do that just so some people won't harass me or harass her? And I go, God, King, you and I are such freak magnets. Any perv is going to come up
0: <laughs> 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 You know,
1: what is, what is it, you know? Or even when we went to, uh, this will be my last story, and I'll get back to you. Even when she and I went together, and we've taken several trips together for different things, when we went together to... Uh, I was singing the National Anthem at a, are you ready for this, the Monster Truck Jam in Alabama.
0: Wow. And she went
1: with me. So when the two of us go up the first day, you sing on Saturday afternoon, Saturday night, and then Sunday, because they have three different events for the weekend. And so she and I go up to the place so I could check in, let them know the anthem singer's here. And they come to get us. They go, oh, the anthem singer's here. And they go to her. And ignore me. And they go, You're the one who's going to uh, sing. I got it. And she goes out of it and
0: I she know. says, Listen, <laughs> we don't all sing. <laughs> and let me guess, they thought she was going to do a gospel rendition of the national anthem, too, right? Oh, yeah. They figured she was
1: going to be just giving some kind of a wreath of you know? I and, right, right, exactly. Uh,
0: <laughs> Listen, we yeah, don't. That yeah. was perfect reply. Listen, we don't
1: all sing. Oh, she's. Yeah. She's brilliant, and she's she's a She's a wonderful person. You know, she's always she's. We just have a wonderful. Every time we go on these trips, and but we always have plenty of laughter. But she just looks at them, No, we don't all sing. So, <laughs> and I looked at me. You sing? Yes. <laughs> but yet, it's always easy. And then it, for people to find, there's going to be some hole. And then, of course. Michael, then it has to make. Then I think when I get aggravated with it, that's probably the time where I need to stop and think. Okay, am, what am I doing? You know, am I looking at somebody and thinking they're this or that because of a, you know, because of a prejudice I may have, or something that I'm already thinking about a group of people. Um, right. Yeah, because we all do it whether we know it or not. I
0: True. I, I I do think. Um other people do it a lot more than than I do. So um because Well I, so do I, but
1: I'm trying to be I'm, yeah.
0: I'm, I'm I'm very aware of it, you know. I I I mean, I'm very aware of of um stereotypes because I'm usually, you know, the um you know the one who's being uh in a way mistreated because of this this stereotype and I'm 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 also aware of that because I've you know been researching reading teaching about these things but um yeah like I I I mean I know that in the gay community black and latino men are also uh, objectified a lot but um I I don't do that because I know better. Like I don't only see um black and latino men as, you know, sex objects and um I don't I don't o- obey the stereotypes uh, uh you know like uh um uh dick size and whatever stuff like that. So um I and I I don't want to um live with those stereotypes. I um I just I sometimes am quite shocked that, you know, it's almost 2018 and many people still believe these stereotypes and that's um that's it's frustrating and it's frightening and it's infuriating, you know.
1: Mm. Um, I was reading um, out in print queer book reviews a review of our Naked Lives essays from gay Italian American men that you Michael Carasone and your partner Joseph Legitice um, created and edited and did you like this review because I want to read something from it okay did you read this review
0: I did. I read. Um, um, uh, this book was not uh, a New York Times bestseller. Of course, it's, um, it sold uh, a good amount of copies for what it is. Um, we were, mm. I, number eleven on the small press distribution list when it first came out. That's a major, mm. uh, a, a, oh. accomplishment, achievement for, that. Yeah. we we knew i mean um I, uh, I we didn't make we made very few dollars off of this book we uh it wasn't a million dollar book deal we're not wealthy um i think we we made uh you know a couple of hundred dollars in royalties whatever we we knew that this wasn't going to be um a, a bestseller it's extremely um uh uh, written for a very small audience. Um, that doesn't mean that uh, only gay Italian-American men read it. Uh, a lot of other types of people read it. But um, So the book wasn't reviewed a lot, um, but it was reviewed enough. And mm-hmm. I have problems with all of the reviews because all of the reviews – Got it wrong In one way or another And I um, Would have liked to have talked To each reviewer And slapped him first And then um, yes. Asked him cause it, I don't think a woman reviewed it I think Just men I, I really would like to have asked them If they really read it You know carefully and thoroughly Because I don't think they did but um, look, the book is going to be five years old. It's it, it's done with. I'm, I never contacted those people. Um, I said thank you. Uh, I was very gracious to uh, two or three of them because, um, of course, I'm 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 grateful that anyone reviewed the book. But um, they just. And even one reviewer was a gay Italian-American man, and he did it for a a scholarly journal. Um, I think each review just really missed something that was poignant or profound that they shouldn't have missed, but they did. Mm -hmm. But as a writer, um, I'm moving on to my next project, you know, that book is in my past, and I'm not going to, I don't want to, um, I don't want my entire writing career to be based on one book, so I move on, and mm-hmm. um, I also have to constantly, for me, it's a constant fight and struggle to tell folks that I, I am a writer, um, gay male writers don't take me seriously. Um
1: Hey, Maybe writers don't what? Mine. Take
0: me seriously Um
1: Sorry. Yeah
0: They only take my photos seriously Uh You know So Um mm-hmm. But anyway Yeah Definitely ask me a question about that
1: one Sorry Okay well A couple things I have to say to you First of all She Did and and this little I don't know if you can hear this voice that keeps coming in and telling me how many seconds I've got left. it always can you I don't know if you can hear it. So no, that's why it keeps coming in during certain sentences, so that's why I've stopped. It's not that I'm not listening to you. This woman keeps interrupting me with this recorded <laughs> voice. Um and and I swear to you, it's not that and I know what you're probably thinking. I know what some people that listen are probably thinking, they're probably thinking, Oh yeah, do you have a a knife and fork that go with that plate in your head. no, it's not that okay <laughs> it's, I swear this. it's that voice two minutes left that's the voice, okay but um uh, so if I understand you you don't always you know think of yourself express yourself as as a writer, but I'm gonna have to say something you know because I've just become I've come to enjoy you so much from meeting you as as it were on Instagram and reading their posts, and I've just come to admire you and respect you and enjoy you so much on there that, are you sitting down? Yes. Okay, I really do want you to come back and talk more about your writing and work, if you don't mind. Oh, thank you. Absolutely. Please? Okay, Cool. Sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's Yay! do it again. Okay. <laughs> Yay. Good, good, good. Okay. Yes, I definitely want you back uh, to get to talk about it. But I think this was the review. It's by uh, Lloyd A. Meeker. And um, oh, what was the thing? It says um, th- there was a line further up ahead. I'm going to just take out a couple of pieces out of a couple of paragraphs here that really stand out. And also because, you know. <laughs> i'm going to read the whole thing and if you're interested you go look it up folks and read it for yourself and, and get the book but um there's one thing is as, as, as i think is in the second third paragraph as frank anthony Polito in his essay essay italian american reconciliation concludes i hate to think of my grandfather leaving this world without knowing who i truly am and yet i can't bring myself to broach the subject is it because I'm ashamed of being gay? I don't think so. I think it's because I'm proud of being Italian-American. And then the next one he talks about, you know, the recurring things of cultural insularity, family obligation, religious paradigms, serving as landmarks in the individual journey recounted in each man's words. Um, but then down below, I think there's this thing where he says, the, uh, a paragraph, the essays are educational and the way education often comes best through first-hand stories acquired knowledge imparted by one to another and but then his last I think his last or no nearly toward the end though he says um, I strongly recommend this collection a nourishing Thought-provoking and deeply emotional exploration of exclusion and inclusion, structure and obligation, love, fear of losing love, the withholding of love, the nourishment and danger of extended family relationships, seen through a gay and uniquely Italian-American lens. And so, you feel like that that paragraph gives a good, you know, just a good thumbnail definition. Yes. Yeah. Yes
0: I I think what um, All of the reviewers um, uh, um, What they um, What they didn't see Or what they didn't notice Or What they forgot or, Or What they got wrong Was that What what we wrote in uh the introduction was that this the essence of the book was about um these men having these two identities of course we have we all have multiple identities and we discussed more identities in the book but the real like to put it Briefly, the essence of the book was about these men having two identities, and these two identities um, never made us feel like we belong in either world or community this um, mm-hmm. These identities were more in conflict than in harmony and um I don't remember any reviewer really understanding that because I don't think many people um, understand what it feels like to have multiple marginalization and um, the feeling that you never fit in or belong. Um, Because, you know we try to at least fit in or belong to one sort of group, right? Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, certain identities uh, uh, don't. So um, uh, black gay men talk about the fact that racism exists in the, the gay community, and it does, and how they feel like they belong more. To their black community Than to their gay community And um, mm-hmm. that's definitely By now it has to be fact Because it's been uh, Talked about and written about And observed so many times That you know um, There's all this data That suggests you know This is real um, So uh, They uh, At least um, they don't feel uh uh some sometimes uh they don't feel as um un- unwelcomed in their racial community as they do in their sexual community but the point of this book was um the question uh what do you do when um you're not really sort of welcomed in any of your communities or your identities, or, or um, what if you, you, your certain uh, communities welcome you, but that but that invitation is is superficial or it's limited or it's based on um, stereotypes, you know? So um, I'm welcomed into my gay male community. As so far as I can, you know, uh, fuck these other gay men, and you know I'm just being used for that. You know what I mean? So, uh, mm-hmm. so, yeah. The book reviews were lovely, um, but I think that they they missed how how profound these 15 essays were in trying mm-hmm. to explain um deeper I- deeper issues you know um we weren't we we weren't just talking about you know um it wasn't just about the usual it it, it wasn't about family and and some of the reviews were you know just superficial like uh, we were just we were we were writing about family and religion and and food and blah 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 that i mean those were um wonderful descriptions and narratives in these essays but we were writing we were writing about you know um real uh, uh dark some mm-hmm. some of these uh, issues were just You know, dark, deep Human issues That um, They weren't taken seriously
1: mm. Well I'm going to have to say You know, you've been so generous with your time tonight And I know I've run over time and taken more time from you Than I told you I would And I'm very grateful for that And I hate to, to stop now So, um you know, I have you on record here as saying that you will come back. So <laughs> I we will, We can continue yes. this. But I do have one more question to ask that I want to know before I leave and to bring us back. How did you meet Joseph?
0: Joseph and I met 13 years ago in traffic, driving from Brooklyn into Manhattan, and we were stopped next to each other. Really? So you know when so you know when they say you have to you have to go to a bar to meet people or you have to go
1: uh-huh.
0: uh to speed dating or you, you know you meet people at at the cooking class that's all bullshit. You meet people <laughs> anywhere and everywhere. It's in traffic um as long I mean as long as you're awake and aware and present and you're in the moment and you observe and and you you see you know a hottie next to you and and you make a move <laughs> i mean that's really it cuz <laughs> i'm not doing the online <laughs> dating and you don't really meet um anything but a hookup at a bar you know and i don't want to take a cooking class so, there you go <laughs> uh, talk about so, so stereotypes you, and the silliness um, yeah
1: so, so was this was this in New York
0: yes we um
1: you're in traffic
0: t- yes, we both lived in Brooklyn at the time. we were both in our cars driving into, and we were in Manhattan stuck in traffic. He was um, yeah he he was in a car by his car by himself, next to mine, mm-hmm. a little further back next to mine, and I was in the car with two of my friends who were actually two of his friends, and he noticed
1: oh
0: th- yeah, he noticed them in the car, so he texted one of them and said. Why are you in that car? Who is that driving? Um, so he was nosy. He asked <laughs> questions. Um, we all met later on for dinner. Um, it was a horrible, uh, like, we had horrible first impressions, but then he and I met the next day um, for coffee.
1: Oh. Awesome. There you go, that's a wonderful story thank you that is really a wonderful story. could uh, have made that up, so that's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope to meet you both, but i if i get hope we're going get back to New York again um and i and again i know i've kept you over time and i'm so grateful to you for making the time and being so generous with your time with me michael and uh if you're listening folks you've i uh, hope you've enjoyed this as much as i have and yes he is coming back and i'm so happy to hear it and uh this is where this is where we say goodbye and i give a Parting words to people, Michael. Where I tell everybody to be nice to each other. And so, what would your parting words be? Uh,
0: my parting words would be um, hope
1: and faith.